You're listening to the Friends Talking Nerdy Podcast Network. Friends Talking Nerdy! If your friends are nerdy and you are nerdy too, I want to talk to you. With Coco in hand, welcome to another episode of Friends Talking Nerdy. This is Tim the Nerd in Portland, Maine. Joining me, as always, we have Your Holiness, the Reverend Tracy. How you doing? I'm lovely because I have Coco. Um, I wanted a dessert, and so I remembered I have all the things to make Coco, and I made it myself because you know you can do that. You don't have to have the package of pre-made Coco mix. Um, I have all of the tools, and I, I made happiness happen in a cup. As we sit here, and in the background of our discussion today, I watch on my phone, um, and actually I really should just put on my laptop now that's right in front of me, (laughs) the live Georgia runoffs um, that's going to be probably concluded by the time we're done recording today. So yes, just kind of interesting, that one. So if you either hear some whooping and hollering or some cursing, you're going to know how that result went (laughs) down. But speaking of Georgia, that kind of ties into why we didn't have a new episode last week. Yes, we actually, um, the Mr. Reverend and I went to Georgia for the Thanksgiving holiday. I got to meet my mother-in-law and my brother-in-law and his partner and my cousin, or my nephews, sorry, not my cousins. Um, So yeah, like that was really awesome. Um, it was a good time, but it was just like, by the time we got back, it was just hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't take time off. Like, that, that's what I've learned about myself, is I am horrible at actually taking time off, especially because right now my office job is part-time, so when you leave halfway through a week, it's easy just to stack all your hours up front, and, you know, vice versa, coming back, I put them all at the end of the week, and we just, I had no energy. So, Tim and I took a stern look at each other, and I went, can we not... <laughs> And yeah, with the, the past couple of weeks, with everything that's been happening to me um, physically at work, um, it, it was nice to just, yeah, to just take a week, take a breather, and uh, let you folks uh, re-listen to uh, one of our more popular episodes. And I think with uh, um, re-releasing it from the archives uh, in our conversation with Elias Watts, mm-hmm. um, it has made it our most listened to episode overall, com- you know, combining both. So yeah, and then uh, you know, something I like to you know we know the 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 Reverend Tracy is having the baby Reverend, and there's a lot of interesting advice and tips and blanket advice and to dos from doctors. I just want to throw it out there. I did find a new book this week, so anybody else out there that is either expecting or thinking about expecting, um, this is to me so far better than what to expect when you're expecting, which is con- considered the Bible for pregnancy, right? Mm-hmm. Like. That's what people kind of go to. But this one's called Expecting Better by Emily Oster. And the reason I want to give it a shout out is, not that we're being sponsored by it or anything. She doesn't even know me. (laughs) But um, she is very practical. Like, I know I mentioned listening to how to build a better brain or how to build a healthy brain. Mm -hmm. And something that I really liked is 
she she went into the the whys and how your brain works and all this stuff. And Emily Oster is an economist. She actually teaches uh, like econ econ ugh, economic classes. And so, you know, when she went in during her pregnancy and her doctor is just giving her this blanket, do this, don't do that. And then she's finding out her friends are getting different advice from different doctors. Mm -hmm. It made her curious. So very much like me, wanting to go in there and looking up the studies and finding the bullshit in them <laughs> and the stuff that's not actually being taken out and the bias that's being laid over it. Um, super fascinating. So again, it's called Expecting Better. And that other last little tip I'll give that I actually told a friend today because I know she's not expecting yet, but she wants to one day. I highly advise getting the books beforehand because something I didn't realize is that they actually have chapters on before you become pregnant. So um, really cool resource. I have been super back on Audible again lately. So I got the book with one of my credits that I had. So I like to share this brain food when I come across good stuff every now and then. So nice. anybody out there that you know cares for that, there you go. Well, we have a little visitor here, Beans, uh, joining us once again for uh, the recording. And it was nice spending time with Beans while uh, you and the Mr. Reverend were away. Because at first she was like... Why are you here? <laughs> you know? But once she realized that I was giving her food, at the end of uh, the time before you got back, it got to the point to where I felt in her own cat way. She looked at me and goes, you, you're all right. <laughs> you know? Yes, you, you are Uncle Tim now. <laughs> yeah, she uh, ultimately ended up finding a spot on my guitar case and, uh, you know, sleeping there every now and then. But she does like to get her hair on things like that. <laughs> indeed, indeed. But, uh, yeah, also physically, though, just work. Uh, I, like, my last day at work uh, a couple days ago, I walked 14 miles. Oof. And, like, every single day I'm doing, like, ten uh, on average, about 10 to 12 miles per day. So my feet are tough up as they say mm -hmm. that'll do it as an avid hiker myself i understand the foot pain <laughs> yeah but um to be clear though the, you know this is for it the, with the way they're feeling now it it was the same exact way that it felt when i got my doc martens you know oh, yeah. so like after a couple of weeks um you know i mean they're they're at the point now where I think within a week or two, I think, you know, the pain that I have will, will subside, mm. you know? Well, we hope so. I, I hope so, too, because I do kind of like money. You, know? <laughs> you like money. Yeah, mo yeah, money, money's nice, but uh, <laughs> I'm like the lawyer from Idiocracy right now. You know? Go away. Anyway. <laughs> you mean the, the biography or whatever, like the, the foretelling of where America's going? No, President Camacho actually cared about the, the well-being of his people, but yeah. any Anyway, anyway. we're done with political st the stuff. That's right. That was last <laughs> month. This month, we're actually going to go on to a lighter topic tonight. We get to talk kind of about the uh, magic of Christmas. Yes. That's <laughs> another bad work experience there because um, they, they switched over like within a couple of days of me starting to just playing Christmas music. And then the music that they're playing there, it's, it's essentially like four songs but like different versions of those same four songs by different <laughs> artists and it is so awful um there's one song called last christmas that sounds like the charles in charge theme song and i fucking hate it so much like the last christmas last i gave Christ you my heart yeah and just took it away or whatever really that's funny i didn't think that sounded like charles and charles like what's funny is my favorite christmas song is i want a hippopotamus and it sounds like maybe they're not playing all the hits like 
It's probably that. All I want for Christmas is you and <laughs> Santa baby. I mean, the only... <laughs> and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, just listening to the lyrics, like how horrible that is, teaching kids that the only way you're going to get accepted is if you have a use. Right. I love the, the kind yeah. of stuff that comes out about, like, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's like, remember, kids. And what's funny is, like, even the point of, like, Rudolph was literally just as useful as the other reindeer, but, you know, he was a freak. So just remember, don't stand out unless that thing that makes you stand out can be utilized can, in a very helpful way. It can make you money, kids. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, there's a part of me that wishes that they would uh, play, like, and they would never do it, of course, but play, like, some of the South Park Christmas songs, Mr. Hankey's Christmas classics. Um, it's that's, Christmas time in hell. <laughs> it's Christmas time, yeah. Uh, but they, there's actually an album that they put out, too, and there's a song that Mr. Hankey sings with Kenny. Um, it's like... You can suck all the dick you want and still be a virgin, Mary. <laughs> but um, what we are going to talk about today is Santa Claus. Um, being the cynical type, there is a lot about Christmas that that is too saccharine for me. But I still enjoy the holiday. I mean, I'm not like my aunt. I've talked about my aunt on the show before who lives in a town in the upper peninsula of Michigan called Christmas, Michigan. Owns a store called Santa's Workshop with a 50-foot Santa um, right outside the door. And every year around this time, people from all over the world will send letters to Santa's Workshop to have it postmarked so they can get letters uh, directly from Santa to give to their kids. So what the Reverend and I wanted to do this week is talk about the idea of Santa Claus and how it relates to relates to kids like basically should should we be teaching our kids santa claus like is this magical figure who comes into your house at night and it was interesting because you know all of october i was with with my mom and dad so those are my adoptive parents for those that have picked up that i refer to biological parents that i have and my mom and dad those are in fact different human beings totally different set of people um, two are actually involved in my life, and the other two is implied or not. Oh! Oh! <laughs> um, so I was talking to my mom about it, and I was expressing that I was really happy, you know, with the baby reverend and his timing, um, that I wasn't going to have to worry about the Santa clash between him and any of his, his siblings will be older, like... His, you know, my little dude is turning eight this month. Mm -hmm. So if he hasn't already caught on, he will probably in the next year or two. So by the time the baby reverend is babbling, yeah. he will probably have outgrown that belief. Because I know my my oldest step kiddo, my Baco, um, they... It was really kind of funny because I was working for Portland Santa. And I took them both to go see and... The last thing Z said before going up to Santa's lap was expressing to your father of, what do you say to somebody that's larger than life? <laughs> and then not even like a week after that, I think Z put it together mm. that, okay, Santa wasn't real, which is honestly like the best case scenario there yeah. for the kid to put it together and not have that like crushed by somebody else. But yeah, I was talking to my mom about it. And she was like, well, what do you mean you don't have to worry about that? 
I was like, well, I don't plan on on teaching my son that Santa is this real mythical person. Like, I plan on teaching he's a cool mascot. He represents something nice. But I'm not going to teach that he's real. And it was just really funny just to see this look. (laughs) Like, I had crushed her Christmas magic somehow. (laughs) And I was like, it's okay. Like, that'll be mine to deal with. Like, this is my choice. I'm not going to do it. Um, so that was what really inspired me to want to bring this up to talk about on the podcast. Like, all right, let's read some pros and cons. Let's see if I'm the asshole here, you know, because I, according to all of the Christmas movies, I'm evil. You know, I'm that stern, like, oh, it's just a spirit of the holiday. And it's like funny because that's what's true. Mm-hmm. So in all of the Christmas specials we show kids... I am the problem. I'm the monster. I'm the bad guy. (laughs) So, but in reality of it, and I know know there's a lot of stuff, we might not get to talk about it, but Tim did find a really cool Psychology Today article that I will admittedly say that I didn't get the chance to read. But of course they cover stuff like this because Psychology Today does deal a lot with child psychology and how we should kind of consider raising our children on that mental health level is this good for them or not? What does it do? Is it harmless or is it potentially harmful? And uh, yeah, with the articles that uh, we will be talking about today, we will have the links for them in our show description. Um, And also too, uh, that's a feature I have not utilized enough on Spotify, but Spotify has the ability for us podcasters to pose a question for our audience. So if you are listening on the spot to our show on the Spotify app, you can go and uh, see the question that we ask and answer it and as always any sort of communication we get from our loving fans we will make you podcast famous and bring up that uh your answer on a future episode yeah and the question this week might be is the reverend the asshole (laughs) for not wanting to teach your child about santa claus (laughs) well let's let's go back in time i mean what was your experience with santa as a kid I honestly, okay, so this is where we go into the, I have a trauma past and my memory is garbage. I don't remember how I learned that Santa wasn't like factually real, Mm -hmm. that he wasn't, you know, watching everything I did and assessing whether or not I was good or bad. Like, I do know that I believed in him at one point. I do remember writing like letters to Santa. I think my bio mom actually did find one at one point and sent it to me that she like took a picture and sent me this. And it was when I asked her like the high stepper horse, because <laughs> anybody who is around my age knows what the fuck I'm talking about. Cause that toy was fucking hot back in the day, the high stepper Barbie horse. Cause I loved horses and you know, being a vagina human being raised in Texas, There were some pages of the toy catalog I was encouraged to look at and others I wasn't. So it typically, for me, I liked Barbie because Barbie at least had the horses and that was at least something that I was interested in with Barbie. I was never Mm -hmm. really into Barbie outfits, which was always just fucking stupid with my my step monster um, because she kind of really wanted to insist this very girly persona on me and so i remember through that side of the family i would normally get like the high-end fashion barbie bullshit and i'm like okay i mean half my barbies were just like naked chilling and and waiting to go ride a horse in the buff (laughs) i guess because i just didn't think it was that important it's like what she doesn't have any real parts to cover like you know so i don't know like i remember doing santa stuff i don't remember how i put it together 
I want to say I figured it out. And it wasn't that somebody told me and crushed me, though. Because I think I would have remembered that a little bit strongly. Yeah. So I think I naturally put together that Santa wasn't real. Well, my mother was a pragmatist. (laughs) She knew that um, with the amount of money she was making, she wasn't going to be able to, like, buy us all the wild and wacky toys that we saw on TV and were begging over. You know, we weren't going to get Nintendo. So she made it very clear from a very early age that Santa was just a fictional uh, creature. Um, You know, we knew that it was her. I mean, she would, you know, go through the effort of hiding uh, the the Christmas presents that she bought and that. I remember a couple times my sister and I were able to find them. Generally, <laughs> she would keep them in her closet hidden. And, and but um, but yeah, just I I never really believed, even though um, you know, I I would go through some of the activities as a kid, you know, like writing yeah. a letter to Santa because they make you do that shit. You know? Well, what's funny is I guess one other part that's <laughs> that's kind of relevant that I do recall now that I think about it is I totally led my parents to believe that I still believed in Santa for a while because to me that was like how I got new things. Mm. Because normally I would get hand-me-downs for my older brother. Like for the most part, like pretty much any TV, any technology, stuff like that, anything but clothes. Mm. Like was hand-me-down and my bio mom was really good at getting me animals from people. Like usually for free. I remember one time I got a ferret (laughs) And it was literally because the person couldn't keep it anymore. And she knew I wanted a ferret that I thought they were cool. So she's like, here you go. (laughs) And um, so I got a lot of free animals, didn't get a lot of new stuff. So I did try to like use that and milk that as long as I could Mm -hmm. to like, because I felt that was the only way I could get things that weren't hand-me-downs for my brother. So I was afraid if I was open about it, I would lose my new shit privilege. (laughs) trauma response right yeah a little bit (laughs) i was maybe a neglected child anyway just a little bit yeah but anyway um yeah so what we are going to do here we do have a pro con uh that we will go uh back and forth on here and uh discuss some of the bullet points so i say we dive right in this week i'm gonna go with the pros yeah tim gets to be the positive one this week now we will preface this is not from procon.org this is from all women's talks so this is This is a lighter topic today. It's not going to be based on any facts or numbers or anything. You know, I I don't even know if they've done like a lot of quote unquote studies on whether or not this is good or bad. So this is really more of just opinions being shared. I don't really suspect my opinion is going to be changed by the end of it. But I am down to have the conversation. Yeah, um, the Psychology Today article does mention some basic studies that were done um, in terms of, you know, basically asking adult kids their feelings of learning that their parents lied to them about Ooh. it. And, and yeah, so, I mean, there is that. So if you did want to uh, read more about those studies, you can definitely check out that article again by going to our show description and tapping that link. But let's dive in. Pro number one, it gives them magic. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> the mystery behind an unseen figure bringing toys creates excitement for your kids. Going to bed with no presents under the tree and then waking up with piles of gifts stacking around the tree, believing a complete stranger left them is magical. Um, 
I, you know, I can get behind that, but I, I think the idea of, you know, even if, like it, like in my house, you know, with my mother, you know, being very upfront that, you know, there was no Santa, it was still cool going to bed and then, you know, waking up, you know, super early in the morning. And um, <laughs> I remember my mother, would, there was a picture, uh, and my sister may still have it, of my mother just, it was like 8 o'clock in the morning. She had just had a long shift at work, and it was Christmas Day. And and she had her robe on, a Virginia Slim cigarette. And, no, cool. Classic. She she smoked coals and just sitting on the couch, just fucking tired. <laughs> but but that was the fun of it. That was you know a shared experience my sister and I had with her, and that and, and that magic I can I can get behind because even even with the baby reverend, even though you're not gonna tell tell him about Santa, you're still going to have that thing of Christmas Eve goes to bed, no gifts under the tree. He wakes up the next day. All the gifts are there. Oh, yeah. Like, there's no reason to not do that. Like, because really, I would think doing that makes more sense anyway, because the temptation to peel back a little corner of wrapping paper is huge <laughs> when you are a child. Or shaking it, you know. Um, I was totally guilty of that shit. Like, if, if there were presents <laughs> left out and I figured out that I could do it and get away with it, mm-hmm. I totally tried. And I, as far as I know, never got busted. Now, that could have also been a choice of my bio mom of just not going, I'm not taking away the gifts. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I spent money on this and return policies were a little shaky back in the 90s. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're not that better now. But anyway, um, yeah, let's dive into our first con then. Yeah, let me go down to con number one. I didn't organize it properly, damn. (laughs) The disappointing news. Since Santa Claus is magical, to hear that he is fake can be very depressing. It is even more a disappointment when, as a kid, you catch your parents red-handed in creating the illusion. When I was five, so again, this is an article that was written by somebody, my brother told me he saw our parents in the middle of the night putting down presents under the tree, including ones that said, from Santa. That's when I realized that Santa wasn't real and Christmas became less magical. Hilariously, my mom kept putting from Santa on our gifts as we got older. She was just having fun with it, and we would pick on her about it, too. And this is uh, probably one of the reasons that I don't want to teach the baby reverend that Santa is a real mythical person that goes into your house, right? Like... You can actually look up like YouTube videos and possibly even some TikToks nowadays <laughs> of children not handling it well at all. Like I've heard stories of someone, God, I wish I could remember where it was from, but he was, I remember he was talking about his sister mm-hmm. and she basically lost it on their parents when she found out and it it wasn't like that the parents told her i think it was somebody at school so she came home parents confirmed that the child at school was correct and there wasn't a santa because you know i guess she was about that age she like locked herself in her room refused to eat and she wasn't so upset about that santa wasn't real what she kept screaming was you lied to me Like, you lied. Like, and so really, it's, to me, it's a matter of, I don't think it's harmful to not teach your child about Santa, but I do think you're risking some harm in really breaching that trust relationship that already has so much working against it when you consider watching programming. 
like programming TV, uh, there's a lot of that adults versus kids in there already and why you shouldn't trust the adults and stuff like that. So I think I just would much rather have a relationship with my child that is very much based on one of our family mottos with my stepkids is you don't got to lie to kick it. And I want to always be truthful to that, which was funny because even taking my stepkids to visit Portland Santa back when I worked there, I never said he was like the Santa. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I knew that it was something they believed and I wanted to respect it. And I figure if it ever comes up, I will be happy to talk about it with them. I knew this was something you believed. I did not feel it was my place to tell you that it wasn't real. But I did work for Portland Santa, and I thought it would be fun to go. But I never, like, really spun them up. It's like, it's the guy! You know what I mean? Like, it's like, we're going to go to the mall and visit Santa. Yeah, and, and, and you know, as a parent myself, uh, my kids are, um, you know, m- mostly adults now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, except for my youngest, uh, still in school age, but he's a couple years away from, uh, the, you know, the graduating himself. You know, you're going to encounter difficult situations anyway as a parent you know there and also as a parent there will be times to where yeah you may mess up and disappoint them anyway yeah why make create a situation that that disappoints them that early exactly and it's like if you and i think we're gonna get actually i'm gonna wait on that one because okay. I know there's going to be another pro or con <laughs> that is more closely related to the thing I was just about to say. So I'm going to put a pin in that one and let you go to pro number two. All right. Pro number two. It's a lesson in positive reinforcement. <laughs> the whole concept of who is naughty and who is nice is simply a form of positive reinforcement that your kids learn. If you behave and obey your pr- parents, you will be rewarded for doing so. Disagree with this one because when I, when I hear this, I think of... Uh, that South Park episode, Red Slay Down, <laughs> where um, <laughs> where Eric Hartman uh, goes in, uh, gets his naughty and nice accountant to um, figure out what he needs to do to to um, be, you know get presents from Santa, and you know he he found out that he had to, <laughs> in order to make things right, he had to bring peace to the Middle East. <laughs> Um, (laughs) that idea of uh, works work you know working works alone without the without the intent behind it of actually trying to be a good person to me mean nothing because there are a lot of people who have done a lot of great things who behind closed doors are horrible people and i think in in my opinion I would disagree with this pro because it does not teach kids, this, this, this naughty and nice list doesn't teach kids anything positive. It teaches them to fake their way through being good and then they will get rewarded. That is not a positive thing. No, it's not a positive thing. And then the other spin, and I can say this since I, I've gleaned through the cons enough to know this isn't covered, which I was surprised it wasn't covered. Um, when you can't give your child the thing they asked Santa for... Mm-hmm. It makes them think that they were bad. Like, I I do recall some of those feelings as a young kid. Because mm-hmm. we were poor. But, you know, Santa was magic. Santa was magical. Santa could make anything happen. And that's what I was being kind of taught and led to believe. Because it was normal for the culture, right? So when I didn't get it, I was just convinced, like, what did I do wrong? And especially, like, being a kid that was very much high on the people-pleasing scale as a trauma response and fawning, I wasn't a bad kid. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? I didn't cheat on tests. 
Like, not that early. I totally did a little bit later in my high school <laughs> career. But when I was a kid, I was hyper into the people-pleasing. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, like, when I, you know, being away from my dad and my bio dad and stuff like that. Like, early on when he was still, you know, my daddy back in the day. Because I was such a daddy's girl um, back when we were still, like, really close and connected. So, like, I wanted to be really, really good all the time. It actually caused a lot of anxiety as a child for me. Mm -hmm. So then to not only be dealing with what way wasn't diagnosed back then, which was generalized anxiety in children, which I highly suspect that I had, um, it made it so much worse. Because then it's like, what did I do wrong? Yeah. What did I do wrong to not get this thing that I asked for? It was the one thing I wanted. I didn't make a long list, Santa. I wanted one thing. And so it can be, like, kind of crushing in that way. That is one reason why I am very glad my mother was upfront about there not being a Santa. Because, you know, yeah, we were poor. Mm -hmm. You know, even if my dad had lived with us, you know, we would not have had much money to get a Nintendo, to get, you know, like a stereo or, you know, later in the 90s, a CD player or something like that. You know, and and that idea, the the, the fact that there are kids today who, you know, think that, who think that, you know, you know, hey, I've done good all year. Why am I not getting this stuff? I mean, that that's kind of shitty. Yeah. And then, you know, the kid that's bullying you at school brags about their Santa gift. And you know that motherfucker is a piece of shit. So why did he get the thing that he wanted or she get the thing that she wanted, but you got kind of left in the dust by Santa, right? And I know there's parents that say, like, you know, don't give kids Santa gifts that are expensive things because of this lesson. But you can't stop the child from asking. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that is that thing that's being taught is if you're good, you ask Santa for a thing. And if you are good, you will get that thing because he's watching he knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's not creepy at all. Yeah, no, not creepy at all to be, like, watched by a stranger. <laughs> Only if they ask you to get in their van. <laughs> you're naughty. Oh, yeah. You're naughty. <laughs> but yeah, that was a great segue to our second con there. Yeah. Uh, so, con number two, ridicule from peers. Another problem is when your kids, classmates, and friends learn the truth before your child does. When they find out your kid believes, they start making fun of him, I will put, or her, (laughs) and saying that Santa Claus isn't real. This not only embarrasses your kids, but confuses them as well. Plus, this kind of experience only pressures your children to accepting what the majority of people are saying instead of thinking for themselves. (laughs) Is conforming and following the masses something you want your child to do? Which is, (laughs) you know, that's... Yeah. Um, What's funny is that whole, like, following the masses thing kind of works on both of those levels, right? Mm -hmm. Because do you want them following the masses of the children who do believe? And then right to the whim of the children who don't believe, right? Yeah. And um, a sidestep from this one that's super related is there's enough bullying in our schools, I don't want, I mean, granted, the Mr. Reverend and I have already talked, the baby reverend is not going to go to public school. It's probably going to be a remote situation, and we will choose the social activities to make sure they are socialized and have friends and things like that. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you can do scouts, you could do basketball teams through your local community uh, center, stuff like that. Like, kids aren't the ostracized uh, stereotype that gets you know, perpetuated out there, like that homeschool kids are weird or something. Mm. You can still socialize your child outside of the parameters of public school, which I think has just kind of gotten really toxic. But if I were going to send my child to public school, I really wouldn't want to give more ammo, uh, ammo 
ammunition to like be able to have them be bullied by kids. You know what I mean? And to me, though, like this, like I thought back to my school experience because a part of me was, you know, initially when we were getting talking about this topic, you know, I was thinking about, you know, were there kids that I knew that really believed in Santa and myself? I don't recall um, anybody that I knew that was really hardcore. Santa is real. And, you know, I I think, you know, they kind of talk about I I don't know if they talk about it here, but I, I think most kids generally around the kindergarten for first grade era are, you know, learning the truth at that particular point. And so I, you know, I I would, I I would say maybe depending on the social abilities of the kid in question, it's not necessarily going to be as big of a deal. Now, if you're awkward and shy and poor like I was, and you still (laughs) believed, maybe that's a different story. Maybe you're going to get mocked. But, you know, I I don't know if it's necessarily that big of a thing, but I did find it funny. Like, like they say this about Santa, but, you know, organized religion's great. (laughs) Yep, and that actually leads into our last pro. Yes. Pro number three. (laughs) Sorry, this one's not my favorite pro. (laughs) Yes, it is a practice in the ideal of faith. Even though Santa Claus is not real, the belief in him is like an introduction to religion for your kids. Of course, how your kids view religion in the future depends on what you tell them when it comes time to reveal the truth of Santa Claus, and nothing could be further from the truth. Well, it's funny because they're acting like you don't take kids to Sunday school. Like, kids already have a way to be introduced to religion. And to me, like, when I read that as a pro, it honestly kind of surprised me it was listed as a pro. Mm -hmm. Because in my eyes, teaching a child that Santa is real while also teaching that God and Jesus or whatever your religious faith of choice is, is real, I would see that shaking faith across the board Mm -hmm. once they realize, you know, hey, well, my parents taught me Santa was real too, so is Jesus also real? Because a lot of the religious stories um, happened so long ago that, just like Santa Claus, there is enough historical evidence to show that there may have been something that was there to create the story. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that the story you're being told is what is the truth. Right. The the skeptic in me, folks. So it it was interesting to me to have that one in prose. So... I would almost say, especially if you intend on, like, if you are a believer in a faith and you intend on teaching your children and, you know, kind of setting them up where they are also part of that faith, I would be really hesitant to teach your child about Santa because I think that's going to create some confusion, Mm -hmm. Um, especially, like, at the age that they would be putting together that Santa's not real. You know what I mean? I I don't know. I, I could, I kind of understand you know, I came from I came from the South. You know what I mean. So there was a lot of that traditional stuff, and there was even kind of a section of Christians Christianity that was anti Santa. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to teach Santa, and that was actually part of why was they didn't want to confuse their kiddos when it came time to learning Santa wasn't real. They didn't want to align that with Jesus because, especially now with how intermingled those have become. Yeah. That this is now considered like Santa and like having a, oh my gosh, like even <laughs> in Georgia, it was really funny because my mother-in-law has, and maybe we can share a picture of it, I'll share it on the Facebook page or something. <laughs> it is 
it almost like took me back almost on a, a like a just flashback level. She had this porcelain painting of Santa with his hat off over Jesus in the little crib, like praying. <laughs> and my bio mom had the exact same one. I actually checked my memory banks with my brother. And he was like, yep, absolutely had that. And I was like, wasn't hers also like, because, you know, for anybody that knows ceramics out there, you can have just a ceramic piece. You can also have it mounted like on a music box or something that rotates. And my bio moms was mounted on one that like played Silent Night or something. Mm. And I remember, I just, I still remembered that. So when I saw it at my mother-in-law's house, it totally like took me aback. I was like, holy shit. I never thought I'd see that again. So that being said, like, now it's been so intermingled. I could see that being even more confusing for a child that's being raised, particularly in the Christian faith, for that to shake up even more than just their trust in their parents. Yeah. Right? Because if you really want them to believe in Jesus, I don't know if that's worth the risk. Yeah. I I mean, there's not much more you can really say on on that part. It, it, It... it's like you can, ha- it, I mean, parents are reading stories to their kids all the time. They read Peter Pan and the kid can be a big fan of Peter Pan without being given the impression by the parent that Peter Pan is real. You can still share the magic with the kids about Christmas without, you know, saying every, you know, everything's real. It's going to happen for real. No, it's yeah. not. So we'll get into our last con because I did just notice there's a paragraph after the con from the same article that I totally want to share before you go into those last little mm-hmm. bullet points that you added at the bottom. So number three, and I realized this was kind of covered in con number one, or at least I did anyway. <laughs> but number three is kids realizing you lied. Not only are kids depressed about learning about Santa Claus, but also from realizing that their own parents lied to them. Parents play an important role as a medium for kids into how the world works and what is the truth. You might lose your child's trust in you over something as minuscule as Santa. And so, like I said, that kind of wraps up to some of the stuff that I said with con number one. Um because I hadn't read down yet to see that this was the last one. I totally forgot. Honestly, I thought the religious one was one of the cons because it had been a minute since I looked at this particular article. But yeah, like, I just don't think it's worth it to breach the trust with my child. Like, I Mm -hmm. think that's going to be my number one thing that I want to groom with my kid is this relationship where it's like, hey, we don't have to lie to kick it. If you get scared and lie to me, just understand I'm going to do my best to be a safe space for you to come clean to because everybody gets scared and lied sometimes. But what excuse do you really have to justify lying for years to a child about Santa Claus when you know it's not true? You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, Not to beat a dead horse. Don't need to go back over it. That's just kind of where I lie on it. (laughs) Lie. is uh, It's just not worth it to lie to your kids, I don't think. It's, yeah. It's it's not, and you know, like I, there was an NPR article uh, that did have some bullet points as well. Um, one of the oh. I was gonna say before we go into that, I want to finish with the cool thing oh, that they put because they did go into what Santa was based off of. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so they wrapped it up like this in in this article from the pros and cons. Deciding whether to teach your kids about Santa Claus is entirely up to you. And this, by the way, side note, I totally agree with this. I don't think you're a bad person for wanting to teach your kids about Santa. Just really take it with a grain of what it could cost, right? Anywho, they go on. If you're unsure what to do, 
there is one idea you can try. Instead of teaching about Santa Claus, teach them the true story of Santa Claus, which is the story of St. Nicholas. He was a Greek bishop in the area that is now present-day Turkey during the 4th century. He was known to give gifts in secret to those in need. One story involved him dropping bags of gold down a chimney. Sounds familiar? By teaching this story, you can still incorporate Santa Claus into Christmas for your kid, as they will have a new perspective on him, one with respect rather than blind praise. With all that said, good luck in dealing with the Santa topic. So I thought that was a great way that they had ended that article. Indeed, indeed. Because, uh, another great segue here, because uh, what the first uh, bullet point on the NPR list is that you aren't lying. You're entering their world of make-believe. Kids, when they are very young, and I think you've brought it up on previous episodes before, you know, they do believe stuff. You know, they, they, their world of make-believe is amazing in a lot of ways. And so if they do believe in Santa... You know, you can work with that. You can still work right. with that. Right. Kind of like uh, when they bring up imaginary friends, right? Like, I've known parents that have set spots at the dinner table for imaginary friends of their kids. Mm-hmm. Like, and it doesn't seem to have that soul-crushing repercussion because the kid knows where the imaginary friend came from. It yep. came from them. So, possibly, I guess, if the baby reverend somehow picks up on Santa and decides on his own to believe in Santa... Sure, maybe I can placate it a little bit, but <laughs> I think I would much rather teach the, the real human that did cool stuff, because yeah. that's just more my bar anyway. But, nice segue to bullet point number two, when kids start asking questions, listen carefully. They might not be ready for the whole truth. You know, similar to the make-believe story. I mean, like, uh, the parent that's going to tell a five-year-old kid your make-believe friend isn't real is a dick. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, because first of all, you don't really know that that isn't real for them right mm-hmm. because if they've got such an imagination that they do kind of like in their own way have created this person in their life that person is very much real to that child so i'd almost say it isn't exactly your place to tell them that it's not real i mean granted i guess there's some lines that could be crossed that might make you want to consider therapy <laughs> but as long as it seems like mostly innocent pretend you know, imaginary friend stuff, I think you're fine. I think most parents would pick up at what point it's crossing a line. And speaking of that, when the jig is up, you will know. Come clean and be prepared for the big feelings. Mm -hmm. You know, if you are going to perpetuate this myth that Santa is real, you know, listen to your kids, and then once the truth does come out, just be open with them about it. Yes. You know? I think that's honestly, that goes back to the you don't have to lie to kick it conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Is... If you're going to teach Santa, at least have the forethought to be prepared on how you're going to explain your justification for doing it. Yes. Right? Because having nothing or saying, I lied to you just for fun. Granted, I don't think a parent would put it that way. But if they just said, like, if the child's like, why did you lie to me? It's like, well, it's fun. It's not fun to lie. You don't like being lied to. Don't accidentally teach your kid that it's fun to lie. Uh, Especially when, you know, you as a parent for most of their life are telling them, don't lie to me, don't lie to me, don't lie to me. Right. (laughs) Exactly. And last but not least, find new ways to keep the magic alive. You know, um, just because you don't believe in Santa doesn't mean you can't enjoy the holiday. Doesn't mean you... Because professional wrestler Mick Foley loves Christmas, loves dressing up as Santa this time of year, and I guess um, he, he lives in New York, and I guess there's, uh, I believe in New Hampshire, there is a, um, a Christmas theme park that's <laughs> there, and he, he, he will uh, go there every single year. So 
Keep the magic alive. There is nothing wrong with, you know, being lost in your head sometimes in a healthy way, you know. And there's other ways to, like, teach that magic. Like, kids are honestly very giving. They're not quite as selfish naturally, I think, as we give that stereotype, too, that they just want and want and want. And the idea of somebody not existing anymore with the sole purpose of giving them something Mm -hmm. takes away the magic. You can kind of turn that around and... I don't know. You know what really needs help this time of year? Places like soup kitchens. Uh, you can go, and if you don't feel as comfortable interacting with the houseless community, you can do it in the background. There are food pantries that need people to go and just be in the back and help weigh beans yep. and stuff like that. That's actually something that my mom does uh, with my adoptive niece. Is they go. Once a week, I learned that when I was there for October, mm-hmm. was apparently they go and they, you know, help at the food shelter. Nice. Or the food the food shelter, the food bank, you know, for the, for the you know, homeless and, and poor. So there's other ways that you can teach how to be magical and awesome and giving during that time of year. Even if it's making silly little goodie bags to give to their friends. Um, like, I think something lovely that I do with my stepkids is we've gotten used to make Smiths now. Hmm. So they think it's really cool that I can crochet. And they know once a year, I will ask them what their make Smiths request is. <laughs> and this year, I am making a cat ear beanie for my Baco. And for my little dude, he wants a big mushroom like cushion like to sit on. Ah. So, you know, and it, it's happy for them like they love it we give them one big thing which is normally like a tech upgrade or something Mm -hmm. and then i i make stuff for them and i think that they really love that on a different level than buying them things and to me doing stuff like that aligns more with the idea behind the holidays than lying to kids right and and you can even like start planning like fun adventures like the other thing they know we're gonna go do is we're gonna go skiing Mm -hmm. those kids especially my little dude loves skiing um one thing that he looks forward to when he does get to come up here to maine for christmas is doing a hut to hut ski with his dad Uh with the mr reverend like he has talked about this a few times ever since the mr reverend brought it up as a concept (laughs) so you know you can do things to keep it magical you can do a little mini family vacation. You can do, like, learning how to make stuff. Baking? Oh, my God. Bake stuff and send it to family. Like, that was another thing we've done with my stepkids is baking Lebkuchen, which is, you know, a, a German cookie. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Lebkuchen? Pretty sure that's right. Because yeah. I know um, in my household, in my bio household, my biological grandmother used to make Stollen. And in Germany, that is a labor of love because that shit takes like a few days. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, there's other ways that you can have cool, magical, unique traditions to your family. It's not necessarily following the masses and doing the Santa thing. Yeah. I mean, like my thing pretty much every year around this time, I will make a point of watching It's a Wonderful Life at least once because, you know, in the 80s when it was still in the public domain and playing on television, um, you know, 437 times a day on every single channel, you know, um, I I think back to the 80s and, and the times to where like my mother would come home from work and then we would put it on. and and watch that so there are ways to where you can celebrate the holidays without lying to your kids as we mentioned you know and and just is it worth lying no 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think for me personally, and I, I'll still preface with, I'm not going to judge other people who do decide to indulge in Santa. I Just, no. you know, <laughs> you're supposed to be the positive one this time, Tim. <laughs> Fail. <laughs> you're getting a fucking chunk of coal for Christmas. <laughs> not but the yeah, first time. so, um, you know, if you decide to do that, just at least have an exit strategy plan and, you know, like the one article said, be prepared to have a difficult conversation because you're likely lining yourself up for one. Indeed, indeed. So that will wrap it up for us this week. And I think, as we mentioned, our topics this month will be holiday related. Yes, a little bit holiday related. We're trying to go there. Indeed. And also, too, I think what I will do on Christmas Day this year is replay the uh, radio version of It's a Wonderful Life with uh, Arthur Q. Bryan, the voice of Elmer Fudd, as Clarence the Angel. (laughs) Yep. So we will try to find some more content that kind of makes sense for the holiday season and stick to a holiday type theme. Indeed. So do we have any updates on the Senate race? I'm sure the folks so at home are... on the Senate race, I mean, by the time this comes out, you guys will know who won or lost. But I guess at this point, it's 39% reporting. Raphael Warnock is 55.4% of the vote, and he's currently leading by over 150,000. Um, that's been holding pretty steady for, like, pretty much since we got on. Um, so, dear Santa... Can we please have somebody win the Georgia Senate seat that actually has policy ideas, input, and plans? <laughs> or is just simply competent. That's, yeah, you we'll, know, we'll I, go for that. I, I don't think that's hard to ask for. Like, you know, I don't have to like a candidate or even vote for a candidate to still hope that they're competent to do their job. Right. It's like a, yeah, in the spirit of Christmas Santa. But what's nice is this isn't quite as make or break as the last time they had a runoff when Warnock won because it actually made the determination in the Senate. Mm-hmm. At worst, he loses and it becomes a tied Senate, which the vice president would break that. So then it would only matter who wins the presidential election next year. And if Warnock does win, the benefit would be that, you know, the Joe Mansions and Kristen Cinemas of the world are less effective at being dicks well and it's one more person who's actually going to vote for reproductive rights for women that's going to stay on the side of the lgbtq community which he's already spoken out for you know there's things there that you know personally i no secret i would be voting for warnock if i were in georgia i understand there are people within my own family who feel quite differently but that is okay that's up to them um it's funny because we talked about the mudslinging those two have an interesting campaign going that sure as hell seems to have nothing to do with the policies that they're going to be they're going to be making decisions on. So you know, and I know I made a post this past week, um, just kind of pointing out like that maybe we shouldn't let the media manipulate us mm-hmm. with the negative campaigning and go and look at what the candidates actually are going to vote for. So for me, it seemed like a clear one. I can't speak to why other people believe what they believe. But, you know, I will be waiting, and I I hope that I can have an answer before bed. But otherwise, I will just wake up and probably read that, you know, Warnock won. Um, It seems to be going in that direction. That's what a lot of people have kind of anticipated would happen anyway. I I just thought of, there was a Simpsons episode where they visited the Super Bowl, but they did a gag (laughs) to where anytime they mentioned the teams, the characters would put their hands in front of their mouth and then say the team in question. The reason they did that is that when that episode uh, went into syndication, they would change the name of the teams based on the year that that episode is playing. (laughs) (laughs) 
maybe we should do that. Yeah. Anyway, we thank you all for listening. As we mentioned, um, we have in the Spotify app. If you're listening to us on Spotify, we will have a question related to this week's episode. Um, if you are so inclined, we would love for you to answer that question. And like we said, we will uh, read the answer on the air. We will also put it on our social media outlets, except for Twitter. We are no longer on Twitter. Nope. We've both kind of gotten off of that one, um, even before. Uh, the, the most recent reasons like i think we decided to step off because a we weren't using it anyway mm-hmm. and b it was like before they even ruled that no elon you really do have to buy it now yeah like we jumped off the bandwagon early so indeed and yeah so we we don't get to see kanye west doing what kanye west does so well <laughs> kanye yeah um but anyway we thank you all for listening each saturday we will have something in this podcast space to entertain your ear holes until we meet again we bid you adieu i want a hippopotamus for christmas okay i hate christmas music (laughs) (laughs) subscribe to friends talking already on itunes the google play music store as well as spotify remember to support friends talking nerdy on patreon Goodbye, darling.